Geek Vibes Live is rated G for Geek. Hey, this is Matt Lesher. This is Phil Lamar. Hey, this is Robin Taylor, a.k.a. The Penguin Gotham, and you are listening to Geek Vibes Live! Hey, I'm Jason Inman, and you're listening to Geek Vibes. It's geeky, and it's vibey. It's awesome. Welcome, welcome, welcome to an all-new episode of Geek Vibes Live. Thank you very much, Jason Inman. Um... <laughs> That that drop actually was funny because it took a few times. Uh, for some strange reason, when we ask celebrities for a drop, they always get Geek Vibes uh, Nation wrong or Geek Vibes Live wrong. Um, I don't know why. <laughs> it seems relatively easy to say, um, but I have at least 15 drops of people getting it just drastically wrong. Um, so... Uh, but Jason Inman is indeed correct. It is geeky, it is vibey, and it is an all-new episode of Geek Vibes Live. Um, today's episode, we will be talking about what grinds our gears in the superhero uh, or just movie and TV world in general. Um, but without further ado, let me introduce my panel, starting with Tia. What's going on, Tia? Hey, 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 guys. How's everyone doing? Um, first, I'd like to start the show that if you're self-isolating and you're wondering, what the hell do I watch? Because seriously, it seems like nothing new is on. Netflix has a documentary series called Tiger King, and it is probably the wildest and craziest shit that you'll ever watch. So check it out. <laughs> yes. Huge shout out to Tia, who has been literally dropping content by the second, whether it's an article or a review or top 10, it literally seems like Tia is killing it right now with the content. Make sure you guys check out everything that Tia has. Um, It's a lot. So I bet not here like, oh, what what can I be doing? You have plenty to pick from. Um, I will say, though, Tia, it is really weird that a lot of these streaming services that have shows that are, like, already made – aren't just putting them out now. Um, I mean, like, to be completely honest, to be completely honest with you, by the time this thing is completely over, none of us will want to be in the house enough to actually watch any of this stuff come <laughs> late summer or early fall. Like, we'll all be outside, like, making up for, like, however long this thing lasts. So just drop it now. Like, the fact that The Boys isn't out now is, is ridiculous. Like, just drop it now. What, what will it hurt? Um, Listen, sorry. all of the... Go ahead. All of, all of the nerds who are sitting there going, oh, all I want to do is play video games, are going to be like, you know, I really love some fresh air. Yeah. No, that'll never happen. But sure, yeah. (laughs) 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 Those are not the people I was referring to. But but no. Um, uh, Also, Dom, what's what's going on, Dom? Hey, everybody. I'm good. Uh, I'm not feeling the same ills as most people uh, in our country because I guess my job is considered essential. So I've been at work every day. Um, So uh, (laughs) I don't, yeah, I don't feel it. I don't think I'd mind it too much because I'm somewhat of a hermit anyway. Um, So it would just give me more time to kind of catch up on some movies I've wanted to watch. But uh, yeah, I I am enjoying the uh, lack of traffic though. So that's kind of my silver lining. 
Yeah, I will say I am not the biggest people person. It, it sounds it sounds weird coming from me, but I'm not the biggest people person. So you telling me for months on end I can like isolate myself um, and get people at doses, I I am all for it. Um, I mean, <laughs> if we could cure if we could cure this and still isolate ourselves, I would be very much happy with that. Um, I would not complain, not once. Uh, there would be no complaints from me. I'll take that. Um, but no, uh, it, it is crazy because I have a friend that works at GameStop and like all but recently they considered GameStop essential. And I'm like, not really. I don't know if GameStop forgot this, but we could buy games like on our system. So I don't really need you right now. Um, but I am very glad that they decided that they were going to, um, not really be open, uh, because just, you're putting people at risk for no reason. Like it's video games. You're not an essential. Um, like that, that was ridiculous, but, um, welcoming back to Geek Vibes Live from Kind of Nerdy Girls, KJ and Patrick, what's going on? Uh, hello. Yes, very excited to be here, uh, and uh, thanks for letting me bring. Uh, a, we call him Producer Patches on the show, so you may have to get used <laughs> to me calling him Patches instead of Patrick. Um, yeah, we're essentially completely opposite. I have been uh, I've been in quarantine for 14 days because I have asthma, and uh, my uh, real job is with Make a Wish, so I can't be sick or around kids. Uh, so I'm going a little bit crazy, and then you know, uh, producer patches is uh, is is also essential, like Dom. Aren't yeah, you? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm kind of a big deal. Uh, I uh, I work in the HVAC, uh, HVAC field, so that's uh, you know everyone always needs heating and cooling. But uh, I do I do feel bad for KJ here because she has been. She's she's getting stir crazy. I was uh, video chatting with my parents earlier, and she's just I'm looking right in front of me on the couch. She's just sitting there kicking her legs up in the air, just like you know, I gotta get my steps in. Yeah, I I will say this <clears throat> this epidemic has shown me uh, that a lot of people don't know what to do with themselves, and I'm kind of like what do you do on like a Sunday where you're like, you know, there's no work, you're at home and you're supposed to just relax. I'm like, all this is, is an extended Sunday. Um, like I, like I'm going to be completely honest. I've blocked everyone that has a TikTok. I've blocked everyone that has a thriller. I've blocked every celebrity. Um, that uses it. I've grown, I've grown utterly sick of seeing it. Um, mainly because it's like, if you're a celebrity, you have the means to really, truly not be bored. Um, so the fact that you're doing this is sickening. Um, and to everyone else, you make me sick also. Um, I hate TikTok. So um, just wanted to put that out there. I wanted it on air, on record. Um, so if any of you do a TikTok and then you're like, why is it look like Juwan un- unfollowed me? That would be why. Um, just right. you know, I actually downloaded TikTok today. That's where I'm at in my life. Because I was like, oh, I don't no, know, everyone KJ. seems to be doing it and enjoying themselves, so maybe that's what I should be doing. <laughs> yeah, no, I legit, I legit want to open up a dare for people that do uh, TikTok. Like, you know, just because everyone else is doing it doesn't mean you have to do it. Like, if everyone started to do drugs, you wouldn't do it too. And then I realized, like, this generation, they would do it. Like, they legit would go, oh, no, I saw, like, 
300 people doing it, so I'm going to get on the internet and do it. And I was like, <laughs> so disappointed with our generation, man. This is horrible. <laughs> uh, but all right. Let's get into it. Let's get into what grinds our gears. Since I pretty much threw this on you guys as a topic, since there's not a lot of news um, in the geek world, uh, pretty much our news is, hey, it got pushed back. Hey, it's not happening this year. And hey, everything you thought you were going to do, it's not going to happen. So instead of talking about that depressing news, I wanted to open up a little bit, and like I said at the top of the show, what grinds our gears. So pretty much anything that's been bothering us in the superhero world or just movies and TV in general. So I'm going to start, and I'm going to talk about DCEU. It is still called that because Jim Lee called it that. I don't care what anyone says. He calls it the DCEU, so that's what it is. Uh, my biggest issue with the DCEU is that um, even after the whole Zach uh, debacle, um, this universe still has potential to properly build itself. And I think they kind of are, are starting to overthink themselves. And what I mean by that is the fact that you don't have a Superman movie happening tomorrow. Well, obviously, with all this chaos, it wouldn't. But uh, you not having a Superman movie being um, kind of greenlit. You not having a Green Lantern movie be greenlit um, is really bothersome, mainly because I kind of feel like, and this is what they said they're, they're doing, they're, they're approaching their movies, they kind of just want to take a movie at a time. Um, and albeit that's what they should have done instead of jumping into uh, doing a Superman movie to start a universe, then a team-up movie, then another team-up movie, then solo movies. Yeah, we've been saying this for years, DC. You should have operated the other way around. But we're here now. So instead of shying away from it, it's okay to just do solo movie, solo movie, and then boom, uh, you know, team-up movie. Uh, instead, we got a Batman in what world, we don't know. We just saw Birds of Prey, <laughs> and, and we had a director who pretty much said, no, no, it's kind of like its own thing. Well, no, I kind of need to know, like, does it take place, like, right after Suicide Squad? Um, like, what, what, where is this movie taking place? We also saw Harley Quinn uh, in a lot of set photos of Suicide Squad 2. So does that mm-hmm. take place after Birds of Prey? Um, a lot of things are just unnecessarily confusing, and I don't think it needs to be. So my, my mindset for DC has always been this. Everyone's always said DC needs a Kevin Feige. I've disagreed about that wholeheartedly from the beginning. I don't think you do. I think all DC needs is, if you want to take it a movie at a time, the only people I should hear from is your EP and your director, um, as far as vision uh, for what they're doing with that specific project. And that way, it's not putting pressure on, well, is this setting up Justice League? Is this setting up this? Is this setting up that? You're literally just saying, hey, our focus is on Wonder Woman 84. That's it. When that's over, then we could talk about the next thing and the next thing and the next thing. So what I would like to see DC do is bring in uh, Robert Pattinson's Batman. Just come out and establish that he's part of the DCEU. Now, you don't have to put any pressure on Matt Reeves. Matt Reeves does not have to have a newspaper clipping about Superman in his movie or mentioning of Superman in his movie. Allow that to be something that's set up when they decide they want to do a Justice League movie. But I need to know that my world connects. Um, I need a Superman. I need a Green Lantern. I need my Aquaman, my Wonder Woman, and my Flash. Shazam, I could 100% live without. Um, I honestly would prefer if he's replaced by Martian Manhunter sooner rather than later. 
Uh, but that's a completely <laughs> different story. Establish that we have a shared universe. Get it out of the way. That way, if uh, Margot Robbie says they were greenlit to do um, uh, Gotham City Sirens, we're not now worrying about, well, who's our Selena Kyle? Is it the Selena Kyle that we're getting in the Batman? I just I feel as though DC every day creates more issues than they solve. And the easiest way to do that is just tell everyone, hey, it's a shared universe, but we're only taking it a, a movie at a time. That's what Feige did early on with the MCU. You didn't hear anything about an Avengers movie when Iron Man came out. Um, you knew it was, <clears throat> excuse me, it was a goal of theirs because you saw Fury at the end. But no one was coming in saying, like, uh, once it ended before the end credits scene, like, yo, you know they're going to be doing, like, Captain America next and, and so it was just a movie at a time. They didn't even know what Iron Man was going to be. Um, so that's how DC should approach it, taking a movie at a time. But let us know that it's all connected. When we decide we want to do a Justice League movie, you guys don't have to worry about whether or not they're all part of each other. They are, and we're just going to take a movie at a time. Um, Tia, I'll start with you. Did you have any anything you wanted to, to throw in about that? Yeah, so, I mean... I'm not as invested in the DCEU really as, say, I am with, like, the MCU with it connecting. Um, I was perfectly fine, say, with, like, Joker being its own entity. Uh, You know, Henry Cavill was great as Superman, but I'm not here pining for him to come back, right? He's girl Gerald of Rivia, uh, and I'm perfectly fine with him being that. I think in the DCEU, the thing that frustrates me the most right now is the Suicide Squad corner of the universe because it's like, I so you know that I liked the 2016 Suicide Squad. I know that other people didn't. We've talked about a plethora of times. But it's almost like silly how much the not only Warner Brothers but the directors of the other movies are acting as if, like, Suicide Squad was literally the worst trash bag freaking movie ever, and they have to sit there and say, no, our movie isn't a sequel. Yes, it is. It is a direct sequel. Birds of the Prey takes place after the first Suicide Squad. The definition of a sequel is a movie that comes like after, you know, the events are after. And then obviously Suicide Squad 2 is going to be after. It's like, it's a sequel. It's okay. Like, all right, not everyone, and, like, me either, right? Uh, Thor The Dark World was terrible. It was trash, right? But no one sits there. Like, Taika Waititi didn't say this. Thor Ragnarok was, wasn't a sequel to The Dark World. It is a sequel. So that's a trilogy. So it's, like, it bothers me, the Suicide Squad realm. Like, it's okay. There were imperfections in the 2016 movie, and we grow from it. It's so obvious that it's, their sequels because you keep the same exact character with the same exact uh, actress in it, and it's annoying to me. Like, I'm annoyed by it. So uh, I guess that's mostly what grinds my gears with the DCEU, like just having to hear constantly from the directors about how much they don't want to associate with the first Suicide Squad, but clearly Margot Robbie did enough in that for people to want to continue to use her just say it's a sequel, it all connects within the same universe, and we can acknowledge that there were a lot of imperfections in the 2016 version. So, 
that's my comment really there. Uh, besides that, you know, I mean, I like the other character. Like, not let me not say that because I'm going to be bullshitting myself. But I like Jason Momoa as Aquaman. <laughs> Gail Gadot is great as Wonder Woman. I could do without a Shazam uh, sequel, honestly. I mean, I didn't hate the movie, but I could do without it. But I don't know. I feel like I'd like Matt Reeves' Batman to stay separate. How do you explain okay, that, uh, you know? Uh, How do you explain well, okay. that? Here, here, here's the thing, okay? Because I, <laughs> I've said this numerous times to people. Was I wrong I, on so I, many I, levels? <laughs> <laughs> oh, see, I, I, I don't, I don't have the time to, to go into just purely you telling me you don't need Superman uh, or Henry Cavill as Superman, right? Like that, no, I need that way whole, more than I need another season of The Witcher. My whole, uh, my whole I need point Superman. is that he's grown. He's grown from Superman. He is Geralt. He's getting his action star. Like he's grown from it. So it's like honestly, it's like. You're probably not, like, I know that Henry Cavill sat there and said he would like to do it, he can do it, but I doubt you're ever going to get it. Just like, and you know, Juwan, you know how much I love John Bernthal as Frank Castle, but I am going to sit here and I'm going to say, I'm probably never going to see John Bernthal come back as Frank Castle. That's probably something that's never going to happen. And I just have to accept that to make the hurt, you know, a little less. Yeah, but the difference is, <clears throat> Excuse me. He was uh, the only reason why John Bernthal wouldn't still be the Punisher is because it's 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 being uh, the whole rights of the the show is being given to someone completely new. Nothing has really drastically changed in the DCEU. I'm um, sure you have a few new faces, but I mean you're not telling me that I'm not getting a Superman anytime soon. Like that, that's ridiculous. Um, you telling me that I have to wait what? five, ten years to get another Punisher, cool. He's not, like, an integral part of, like, an Avengers team or anything like that. But you telling me I get Flash, I get Shazam, I get Batman, Wonder Woman, Aquaman, but no Superman, that sounds like the most craziest thing I've ever heard in my life. So that is drastically different because that'd be like if someone said when they were first doing the MCU, there was only one Captain America movie, and now we're kind of like, maybe we don't really need Captain America right now. We're talking about maybe making him, you know, a, a woman. You know, it, that's how ridiculous it sounds. So we absolutely need Superman. Um, you know, th- there's no reason why you kind of tippy-toe on that. You either tell us, hey, we're recasting Henry, or Henry's coming back. That's the only two things I want to hear. I don't want to hear you trying to sell me Supergirl um, when I haven't really successfully had a good enough Superman. Give me that first. Then we can build. Um, but as far as explaining the Batman, don't need to. You don't need to explain it. it it's done. It's it, it done, bends out. This is Batman now. That's as far as you need to go for explaining. I don't need a, a, a full, uh, you know, uh, dialogue as to why he's younger now. I don't really care. Just tell me that he's part of the DCEU. I can see him interact with Wonder Woman or Flash, whatever. Or if he's not, you are going to have a tough time selling me these movies if you're telling me, hey, as soon as all three of these movies are done, we're going to be looking for another Batman. At that point, I, you, you lost me. You, you really did. Um, all my excitement kind of just goes. Um, of course, I'm going to see these movies because I have to support Batman because um, he's legit my, my father. Um, but as far as me caring about this as far as, far as the universe, I, I, I can't. 
And last thing, <clears throat> Tia, as far as um, Suicide Squad, the reason why I think they're making a big deal about it, it's not necessarily directly a sequel, even though I agree with you, it is a sequel. If I see one familiar face, it's a sequel. Uh, but I think the reason why they're making a big deal is that it's it's one of those team-up movies to where it's like the Russo brothers, when they took over the Avengers, it's drastically different than what Whedon did. But they didn't go out and make a big deal about it. But I think the reason why you have to do it now for DC is because it is a changing of the guard. So I'm pretty sure James Gunn is going to be doing things drastically different, and he kind of doesn't want anyone kind of going like, uh, you know, is, is this part of what this was building? And it's like, no, whatever David Ayer was doing is what David Ayer was doing. Consider but that I, a, a, a one-off thing. Go ahead. And I'm sorry. It's just I'm going to use, like, the Thor example again, right? It's like we were all bored with the Thor movies. Thor and Dark World was absolutely horrific. And then, you know, Taiko FTT came, and I'm sure that, like me, a lot of people are like, who the hell is Taiko FTT? And then they released that first trailer, and you're like, holy shit, this looks fucking amazing. And it's like, I just feel that all, and we know James Gunn, we know his style, we already know it's going to be different than David Ayer's. It's like, we're going to see the trailer, we're going to love it, we're not even going to, like me at least, I'm not even going to think about it. I'm still going to sit there and go, it's a sequel. I don't disagree. It, it is a sequel. Um, I, I think he just kind of wants you to know, well, let me not say he, because he hasn't really spoken on it much, but I, I think the idea of it is for people to kind of realize you have to disassociate yourself from whatever the first one was doing to whatever this one was doing. Um, and we won't get into my feelings on the first Suicide Squad movie. That'll be another episode <laughs> Um, but no, I, I think that's the, the underlying thing. But as long as James Gunn doesn't make a big deal about it, I think we can kind of just block out everyone else who's trying to create uh, controversy between the two movies. Um, but all right, Tia, I, I'll go to you now. <laughs> Besides me, what grinds your gears in this, in this superhero or, or movie and TV world? Um, I have to say in general... I don't know. I have, like, two things that grind my gear, and I'm, like, trying to sit here. Like, all right, I guess I'll sit here and say I don't like when freaking – we all have our ships, right? Like, fan shipping and shit like that. Like, we all do it. We're all sitting out here, you know, like, looking at two characters on screen and wanting them to be together you know, and it doesn't happen. It's, like, not a big deal, but it's, like, it grinds my gears when you have fans and then even actual actors who kind of feed into that. Like, all right, the recent example is it's perfectly fine if you want to ship Captain America and Bucky. That's your right. I will read the fan fiction but it was, like, 100% never going to happen in the MCU. And people getting so pissed that Steve ended up with the at the end, like, and then calling it bad writing, saying that Steve didn't stay with Bucky, and then even Sebastian Stan coming out and saying how, like, retweeting or re-Instagramming that one person's post about how it was bad writing. I'm like, that was never going to happen, like, I'll sit there and say that, like, my little fangirl in me shipped Steve and Black Widow. 
And I knew that 100% that was never going to happen. I didn't get pissed when it didn't happen. So that's just one example that I can use. It's like that's in general with these like superhero movies and stuff. It's like, you know, you have to be um, accepting when certain things don't happen. Like I'll say that the only thing that I got a little pissed at is, uh, you know, Frank Castle and Karen Page from the Punisher series because anyone who watched it in that second season, their scene when they're literally touching foreheads to each other, and I'm like, they want to kiss so badly, and then that stupid teenager has to walk into the room. It's like that's the only way that I'll get pissed about this. But it's like I understand when I, I don't like directors shouldn't always give in to what the fans want. And it's like, I understand they're not going to go in that direction. And the reactions of the fans and then the actors who kind of want to stoke the fire when you didn't get your way. It's kind of childish to me. It's like, I'm sorry, I'm going to come out here on air right now and say 100% Steve and Buffy were never going to kiss on screen. I'm sorry that you wanted to see Chris Evans and Sebastian Stan kiss. They're very good-looking men. I understand the want, but it was never going to happen. So that's what grinds my gears. Um, I don't understand the the want. I don't understand where they even got that from. Um, I, I, I never once because, saw them interact on screen and was like, yo, they totally love each other. Like, I, I never felt that. So I don't know where that came because, from. I feel that fans, when they see things like that, they never understand that people can have platonic friendships. It's like, I almost feel that it's like, do you not have that in real life, like a friend that you would do absolutely 100% anything for and not have sexual feelings for them? I have one of those friends. I guess other people don't. Yeah, I mean, I it's, it's just really weird. I mean, I thought it was weird when... Uh, people were like, oh, no, Poe and, and Finn, you know, they're definitely going to be together. Yeah. And then I, I was like, why did you think that? <laughs> I was like, why did you think that? They were like, oh, you didn't see when, like, Poe bit his lip when he saw Finn? I'm like, what? <laughs> I'm like, no, I didn't see that. That's, like, such a weird thing to look for. I'm like, are you sure he bit his lip? They're like, yeah, he bit his lip. I'm like, all right, that's, that's strange. But, no, I, I listen, I get it. People want representation. I understand. Um, on a lesser degree, I was talking to Joel um, about how if they ever do Miles Morales instead of Miles like he is in the comics being half black and half Hispanic, they should go out on a limb and just make him 100% Hispanic. Um, you know, I, Hispanics don't really have representation in the superhero world. That's like a liberty that you should take so you can kind of help on the idea of representation. Um, But if you're saying you want representation for same-sex couples and stuff like that in the superhero world, I would then tell you, why don't we bring in characters that are um, (laughs) same-sex couples in the comics and, you know, kind of, you know, bring them to light? But no, I would have never liked the idea of you telling me that Captain America was – was you know in love with Bucky because it's like the weirdest thing. Uh, it would just be so weird, um, and it would honestly be forced. Like there is nothing. Um, yeah, it would have been a hundred percent forced. I think Poe and Finn would have been a hundred percent forced um, because it just it would have been out of nowhere. Like picture if like at the end of <laughs> at the end of Civil War, like uh, Cap shows up to Bucky's uh, cell, he opens it and they kiss. 
picture how weird you would have felt at that moment. It was like, what the hell is that? Like, there's no setup for that. Um, so, no, I'm I'm completely with you, Tia. Yeah, that yeah, does grind my gears. It, it does definitely grind my gears. I'm sorry, go ahead. No, and this is coming from someone who would love, like, better LGBT representation. Like, I think that, say, with uh, – you had characters in the Marvel Defenders universe, right? Like Jerry Hogarth, and then they kind of played around with it with Shades in uh, Luke Cage Season 2. It's like, yeah, it's like representation, but, you know, I, it, there's a difference with – there's a difference between, like, representation and then just the fans, like, wanting to ship. Like, I bet KJ can completely agree. I don't know how she stands on this, but I know she's a Supernatural fan. And mm-hmm. for us Supernatural fans, we know that, like, the number one trending ship is Destiel. And it's like, I don't know how you feel about that, but it's like when fans, like, want ships so badly to come together, it's like, I don't know, I just don't like that. But, yes, like, Juwan, 100%, like, more LGBT like representation. Like I, I personally, I don't know about you guys, but I can't wait to see all the angry freaking like moms that are going to come out of the woodwork for the Eternals. It's going to be hilarious, um, <laughs> just to see like how angry they all get because, and you know, Deadpool like the second movie just had such a flawless, effortless like same sex couple. It's like yes, more of that, but the shit like sometimes just drives me insane this is coming from someone who like looks at people like oh they could be like totally together but I'm not going to get upset if it doesn't happen on the on screen so that grinds my gears I'm sorry <laughs> no no I, I, I like I said I think representation is important but I don't think you should force it um, I, I thought Shades was forced in Luke Cage and it was so uncomfortable every scene watching them together I was just so uncomfortable mainly because it just it wasn't, it wasn't like, if you had to laid some of the seeds for it in season one to where we were kind of looking at Shades and you're like, oh, I don't know, maybe Shades is, is gay. Then it's like when you see it, you're like, okay, all right. I maybe felt like it was possible. But when they just threw it on you, it was kind of like, all right, was this just like a, a prison passion or is he like really into guys? And I feel like that was never really acknowledged. Um, so that's what kind of made it weird for me. Um, but no, representation is very much important. Um, I've been talking about representation for forever. Um, but KJ and Patrick, to (laughs) his point of, of shipping, um, does that grind you guys' gears or do you not really get bothered by it that much? Um, I think when it, when it overshadows just, you know, the enjoyment of the storytelling, yes, like stop trying to make something out of nothing um and honestly like when you were talking about star wars like the the poe and finn thing i never saw that but i also never saw ray and ben and then they were kissing and i was like what the hell just happened i mean literally, i can't <laughs> like this time i was in a theater and i literally looked at the screen and went what the fuck <laughs> i did not <laughs> See, that, that's not, I, I mean, well, that is not going to be a healthy relationship, even if they could. But, like, there was never a time where I thought that was a thing. But I knew, you know, that so many people were shipping them and wanted that to be a thing and wanted that. And I, you know, so in that moment, I thought to myself, 
did they just give in to the fans? Because I never thought for a second that this was a love story. If anything, maybe a, a, a brother and sister that fight all the time, but not like – or okay. angry cousins. Yeah, something. Like that. Yeah. like it, it, well, it just, it, I, I no, felt like in that moment, because of the way that people were shipping them for so long and wanting that so much, and I kept not seeing it, that when I saw them kiss on screen, I was like, fan service. This is, this is not, this should not have happened in this story. Well, the biggest, well, not the biggest issue, but the most confusing thing for me was, um, the problem that I had was you had a different director in between the three movies. So mm-hmm. right. I don't know because I could, I could almost guarantee you J.J. Abrams' original idea was to have her as one of the Skywalkers, right? Um, right. I don't know. Again, I can't prove that. So I always felt like their relationship was, was going to be – I honestly thought they were going to pull a Luke and in, in, in Leia. I thought it was going to be they were starting to become close, and then it was like someone walked in and was like, hey, by the way, I don't know if anyone told you, you two are related, so, like, you know, just, like, hold off on that. Um, I right. thought they were going to pull that. Uh, and then we, <laughs> get, the we get the last <laughs> – right. We get <laughs> the last Jedi, and they're like, oh, no, no, Ray, you're no one. So I was like, oh, they're 100% probably going to make them, like, fall in love with each other if they're not related. Um, I just didn't really think it was going to happen. Uh, mainly because I thought J.J. Abrams was going to go back to what I thought his original plan was, which was to make her a Skywalker. Um, So that's where I kind of got confused. But now that you've seen them kiss, if you watch The Last Jedi again, it 100% makes sense. Um, The push and the pull of the two of them to where even at the end of The Last Jedi where she was like, why don't you just come with me? Um, you know, instead of us fighting each other, come with me. You kind of saw the empathy that the two of them were sharing for each other, um, how close they were somewhat getting. But again, they were always going to be magnets that were kind of like pulling from each other. Um, so, I mean, it, it, it's not completely out of left field. It's just not what I, not what I thought J.J. Abrams' plan was from the beginning. Um, so that's why I think it kind of threw me off a little bit. Um, but yeah, people were shipping them from the first movie, and I'm like, they kind of really set it up to where she was going to be a Skywalker. You guys know that, right? Um, but apparently, yeah. the shippers knew more than we did. So, I mean, I, I just never well, thought it was going to happen because I thought they were family. And I agree with you, and that's one of the things that um, I mean, I'm sure there's legitimate reasons for it, but it is one of the things that bothered me about um, the Star Wars trilogy is why. Why did you just not have JJ? Why did he not just do them all? You have to do so much. And I don't really want to say damage control because I'm not a person who does Jedi, but in order to wrap up the trilogy, there were so many loose ends and stories that weren't developed enough that he took on something that was bigger than one movie at that point. Where, where, where were they all? you know, in, in the writing room when they were, this story was supposed to arc. Like, did you not know what was going to happen in The Last Jedi? And then they were like, surprise, he screwed up where you were going, so now you have to fix it and you have one movie. It just, as, um, as, as much faith as I have in, you know, in, in Disney and what they do in, in Lucasfilms, it, it seemed odd to me that, J.J. Abrams was put in that position and not 
even consulted or you know knew that 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 the last Jedi was going to unfold the way it did. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> I, I put that all at Kathleen Kennedy's feet. Um, I, I blame her a hundred percent for it. I mean, think about this, right? We've had I. <laughs> I counted five Avengers movies because I count Civil War as like a, a, an Avengers brother. Um, but all right, so let's say, you know, it's it definitely, it's definitely that. Um, so five Avengers movies, right? And three of them have the same director. Two of them have the same director, right? So you then go, Feige was behind scenes telling the Russos, um, you know, this is what I was setting up with Whedon. This is kind of where I want you to go from, from here. I think Kathleen didn't do that. So I honestly don't think, it, and again, I, I don't know anything. I'm just speculating. I honestly don't think, um, uh, what's his name? Um, uh, the director for the, the Last Jedi. I don't know why I'm blanking here. but Ryan Johnson. Ryan Johnson. Thank you. Thank you. I don't think mm-hmm. Ryan and JJ and Kathleen at, ever sat down together. Um, and if they say they did, they're lying because you could watch uh, The Last Jedi and uh, The Skywalker, and you could watch those two and tell. It does not feel like they're connected. It feels yeah. like this movie is telling you kind of ignore what you just saw. Same way The Last Jedi felt like it was telling you ignore what you just saw from The Force Awakens. Or specifically, ignore what you were assuming was going to happen from The Force Awakens. Because um, that is one thing I did respect from Ryan Johnson, that it seemed like he looked at everything that we wanted to see happen in The Last Jedi and just gave a huge middle figure to everyone. Um, I always respect that. I always respect anyone who's brave enough to say, I know what the fan base wants, but I'm not going to give them anything. Um, but, yeah, no, they clearly look like Kathleen didn't sit them all down and say, what is the goal we're trying to achieve here? Um, because it did look like Abrams was playing catch-up. Yeah. It did look like Abrams had the uh, the unfortunate, um, you know, uh, duty to close. Because remember, Abrams wasn't closing three movies. He was closing nine. Um, yeah. Which is why you got so much fan service for so – Chewbacca getting a medal meant nothing to anyone that was born in 2000. <laughs> like, that meant nothing <laughs> yeah. to anyone who was born in 2000. That clearly was for us that remembers the originals. Um that was always like, why the hell didn't Chewie get a medal? So he wasn't closing three movies. He was closing nine. But it's the, it's the job of Kathleen to make sure that J.J. understands, I only need you to close three. Like, we don't need fan service for movies that came out, uh, you know, way back when. I just need you to close these three, and I need you to close them successfully. Um, and I put that completely at Kathleen's uh, feet. But, yeah, to your broader point of, of shipping, it, it really just came out of, Kind of out of left field, really. Um, but like I said, now that you've seen it, uh, The Last Jedi kind of makes more sense uh, as far as shipping those two because you kind of you see it. You kind of see it building. Um, but, Patrick, did you, did you have anything to add off of what KJ was saying? Um, yeah, I mean, a, a little bit of, of you know, I, I semi-disagree. I, I see your point of, you know, like, you know, like building up you know, Last Jedi to, you know, into what happened in, in The Rise of Skywalker. However, you know, like, I, I still agree with KJ is the way they the way they set the tone, it was more brother and sister, or maybe that was what was more expected, I guess. But um, but to go back, you know, like you said, broad circle, you know, with the, with the shipping aspect, 
you know, with, you know, with Supernatural and, you know, the, the Captain and Bucky and everything else, it goes back to, like, one, one of my pet peeves of, of this whole thing of, all right, if you're so pissed about this, why didn't you submit a script and make it better? You're, like, fans are blasting these little things, you know, that are just isolated things. You know, they're isolated scenes within a movie as opposed to looking at the entire scope of the entire picture. So you're like, oh, you're mad that this one scene didn't happen, you know, because it should have been built up with no build with there was clearly no buildup. You just wanted to see it happen and it didn't happen. So, you know what? Write something better or shut the hell up. <laughs> I love yeah. that. No, I, I mean, love that. It's like People don't realize what goes into making a script and trying to tie it in loose ends, especially if it's a like end movie and all that. And it's like, okay, Patrick, I 100% agree with you. I think that uh, a lot of people out there underestimate what goes into making a movie. And it's just right. like, okay, then do better. You know, if you think yeah. you could do better, then do better. <laughs> yeah, a fan could say, yeah, I could have written that scene better. Well, you know what? Yes, maybe you could have written that scene better, but there are thousands of scenes. So are you going to do all thousands of those scenes? Are you going to do one scene? It's all or nothing. So shut the hell up. Yeah, I, I mean, it, it, to me, I kind of look at it. I don't necessarily disagree with you. I just look at it to where, like, I'm kind of like, there's a such thing as, like, a payoff. Um, And if you don't achieve it, I kind of feel like it's the job of the fans to let you know that they're disappointed that you didn't get... I'll give you a perfect example, right? Um, If anyone knows the character of Oliver Queen, um, you know Mm -hmm. that he fell in love with Dinah. Um, And in the show, they had him fall in love with possibly the worst uh, interpretation of Black Canary. Um, It took three Black Canaries to make one Black Canary, but he fell in love with Felicity. (laughs) And it was like, like I've, I've interviewed Mark Guggenheim where I've stressed to him, Mark, I really hate that you didn't like, why couldn't you just put him with the Black Canary? Like he's supposed to be. And, you know, sure, Mark could have told me, like, well, Juwan, if you think you can do better, here, we'll fly you out and let's see what you can do. But to be fair, and I think he kind of understood this, as a fan of the character, um, it's one of those things to where it's like you went out of your way to avoid that. And it was just like, I think as fans, it's only fair that we kind of know why. Like, why did you, like, go out of your way to avoid something? That's like if if Tony didn't fall in love with Pepper, he fell in love with like his assistant uh, that wasn't Pepper. And it was like, why? What? Pepper's right there. Why, why would you avoid the, the person he's supposed to be with to create this whole new person uh, for him to fall in love with? So, I mean, I don't, I don't disagree with you because I, I watch the last Jedi all the time and I'm like, it's not as bad as people make it seem. It's just, you had outlandish expectations that Ryan Johnson seemingly refused to give you, um, and yeah, that's why people were so mad at it. Well, and I think I think two points on that though. One um, with Ryan Johnson, I agree with you. I, I I like a director that's that's bold enough to take something in a direction that you're not expecting. I respect I respect the hell out of that. 
However, you're talking about a franchise that has spanned 40 years. So it, it, that's a, you know, and I understand times change, but you only have nine episodes to wrap up a 40-year story. Have, you know, let's not try to reinvent the wheel. Just make the storyline better. You know what I mean? So, and then, um, you know, on, on the... Yeah, I don't, ha- I, I don't have anything against what what Ryan Johnson did. I actually enjoyed it. I mean, that scene that we were waiting and waiting for, you know, Luke's going to, she's going to hand Luke the, the lightsaber and he tosses it. That was freaking brilliant. I oh, mean, absolutely. I will. Was, I, no, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, no, no. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say, I will say uh, Ryan Johnson definitely screwed the pooch on killing Luke. Um, I, I'll keep <laughs> saying this to the day that I die. Originally, from everything I was hearing early on when Colin Trevorrow was supposed to be doing um, episode nine, um, I had heard that there was a huge uh, fight scene of Luke and Ray on like this this fiery planet um, versus Kylo Ren and uh, the the Knights of Ren, and it was supposed to be like this huge lightsaber battle. Um, I am one of the maybe two percent of the people that were not blown away by that. Scene. I really felt as though the last Jedi lightsaber battle, and there's one. If there's one thing Jawan despises in all of Star Wars, is you having lightsabers and not using them literally every second. Even if you, <laughs> I want you just twirling. Like I want you twirling the lightsaber as you're just talking. Um, nothing hurts me more than you not giving me an overabundance of lightsaber battles. Um, so that's what I hated about The Last Jedi. And the throne room was just, it was underwhelming. Um, and I really hated that Snoke wasn't, um, oh, man, I, I was totally building this up and I forgot the character. Um, the guy that um, that taught uh, Dark City. Um, yeah, Dark I can't City. remember his name. No, no. Oh, the, uh, I, I was, yes, that's who I wanted Snoke to yeah. be. I wanted Snoke to be Plagueis. And when he wasn't, I was just like, I mean, come on, Ryan. <laughs> like, it was well, it, it right itself. <laughs> but, but can you agree or disagree about this? I'm, I'm interested in your opinion of the the fact that, you know, like, there there were things in the movie that were just unnecessary. The biggest, and I'm just going to give the, the biggest example that was, like, glaring to me. When they were on Cantlebite and the whole, you know, the whole racing and, you know, like, the casino and all that stuff, that if they went there to get it, you know, to get the, you know, get the, uh, uh, you know, who I'm talking about, um, but the uh, red plum bloom guy, uh, if they were there just to get them, grab them and get out, that'd be one thing. But that was 20 minutes of, you know, that, that was, you know, 15, 20 minutes of the movie to me that stretched on unnecessarily, you know, and got, you know, a little preachy and it, you know, like it, it was it was little stuff like that to where it's like okay, I get it, I see what you're trying to do here, but you took it too long. Yeah, Ryan had a, a huge problem with just doing too many scenes in that movie that were like widely unnecessary. And if you think about it, none of what he was doing paid off in episode nine. Like think about it. Remember that scene at the end where like the boy was using the force when he was like uh, uh, sweeping. That didn't yeah. pay off anywhere. Like we we didn't hear anything else about it. We didn't hear anything about oh, there's more people with the force out. Nothing. 
I mean, J.J. Abrams didn't even uh, come out and tell us, like, you know, in the movie, like, oh, Finn was, was trying to tell Ray, like, oh, he's force sensitive. That's what he wanted to tell her, not that he loved her. And it was like, why did you just say that? Like, what? I, I, I don't get a lot of what Ryan and, and J.J. were trying to play off of each other with, but Ryan was trying to set up, like, oh, you know, there's a lot of force sensitive kids out there. Maybe you could rebuild the Jedi Order. And then JJ came out and was like, "Nah, just Ray, just 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 Ray. That's that's it." And it was like, "What?" <laughs> I, I thought Ryan was just setting up just more Force users. What do you mean, just Ray? So I mean, that really bothered me. Um, that a lot of stuff just didn't really play out. Um, and you know, it, it kind of made it for like a, a boring story a little bit. Like you telling me. Uh, Darth Sidious was actually Snoke, and that's why Snoke was no one. Uh, it was kind of like, eh, that's a little dry. Like, I didn't really need to see Sidious back. Like, no. I wanted a right. lightsaber battle to end that movie. And the fact that I saw him using his force fingers, uh, or force lightning fingers, um, really <laughs> irked me. That, that will forever irk me. Um, and this is the biggest thing, Patrick, and then we're going to move on. Do you remember how Luke told Ray that Kylo took a few of the Jedi students with him when he left uh, when he left Luke. Yeah, you would you would assume that there were the Knights of Ren. Right. Now do you remember when Kylo was fighting the Knights of Ren and used the force and they all looked stunned like they have never seen the force before? What what the hell? (laughs) You're supposed to be force users. You're all supposed to be force users. So why did Kylo, why was Kylo Ren able to slice through them so easily, and none of them thought, "I might maybe we should like force push him away and like maybe like gang up one." Like no one thought that. And I'm like, this is another example of JJ saying, "I don't know what the hell Ryan was doing, but like no, they're not force users." Right, 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 and it's right. like, what? What was the point of that? <laughs> what was the point right. of that? But I'm seeing right now, Patrick. We could talk Star Wars. All day long, I'm gonna set that oh, yeah. up. Me and you have to talk Star Wars. Let's um, do it. But, but um, Dom, I want to go to you. Haven't heard from you in a while. Um, to Tia's point, does shipping bother you also, um, or have you not really been paying much attention to it? Um, I try my best to. I mean, okay, I I, I would, I would dabble in conversation with some of the the people who are super ship something to the point where like especially with like um uh, I was really deep into um like the Doctor Who fandom at one point and yeah. you know pe- pe- people they always they just I mean it's one thing if you can kind of literally see the build of something about to happen but I think people forget that actors improvise a lot of things. Um, they have some certain creative liberties with roles, especially if it's a scene where, you know, it's they have a lot, maybe just one line, and then the rest of it is, like, just speaking with, like, their bodies. So they, they may have, you know, inadvertently set up something that you thought was a thing that, that isn't, and then you can't just <laughs> get completely irate when it doesn't happen because – you know, you could in the you could tell in the story that it wasn't setting up. Just because a person did it doesn't mean anything. Um, because you know, of course, uh, 
what the same in Doctor Who uh, universe that you know everybody wants, especially when it's a younger Doctor. Everybody always wants uh, every single girl companion to be in love with the Doctor, and it's like why? why? Like why do you want that every single time? Because it's going to create the same storyline every time. Now we have the one that like we had uh, Clara. Cool. She can be infatuated with him and it creates a good dynamic. But you can't have Clara and Amelia and, you know, uh, Rose. And you can't have every single one be infatuated because it comes, you know, redundant. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I don't – it doesn't bother me too much as far as, like, I don't hear the echoes from people as much because I try to ignore the people for the most part um, because you can say what you want to them and they're not trying to hear it. And there's only a few things that I'm willing to really go to bat for against other people. So a lot of the times I'm just like, I don't have the energy (laughs) to do it. But the unfortunate part is that those people are the loudest and they're usually the ones who – affect people who aren't as invested in a story like we are. So if they're, I mean, take, for example, all the people who were upset about the Birds of Prey movie. Now, if you're somebody who kind of wanted to see it, but you weren't really, you know, you didn't really dabble into DC or Harley Quinn at all, and then you have these people talking shit about it because of something that they didn't like, then you're going to like, oh, well, all these people are yelling that they hate it, so I guess I'm not going to see it. So it can kind of ruin something before the engine gets going because of people not liking little things. Yeah, and you're completely right. I think also what feeds into it is when you get guys like Astra Isaac that kind of plays around with the idea of like, yeah, it would have been fine if me and, and, me and Poe were, I'm, I'm sorry, me and Finn were we're together in, in the story. And it's like, no, 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 no. Shut up. Like, no, don't, don't, don't feed into that. Don't give them any gasoline to put on that fire. Um, I will say though, Tia, you bringing this up. It's funny. Cause the one time where I wanted me and you to use like the shipping powers was like, like you said for, for Karen and Punisher, but I didn't really care. Like if they were together, I just needed her out of the way so Matt can focus all his attention on Electra where it where it needs to be. Um, Matt Murdock should only be in love with two people: one Electra or two Black Widow. And since Black Widow didn't exist in that uh, in, in that story, he needed to be with Electra. So I needed Karen way out of the way to well, ensure that that, that happened. <laughs> and that was the thing is that you know I was not sad at all when Matt and Karen. Uh, weren't together and didn't work out in season two and when season three came in it's like I was like please do not let them go in the route where they're going to try and repair their relationship friendship yes like the fact that they were not friends anymore like tore me up but relationship no so when they didn't go that route in season three I was like I was like it's a chance for season of whatever punisher for them to get together um so yeah, no, I agree with you. Like, I, you know, didn't want Matt to be with Karen at all. 
So it's like when that did happen, I thought it was going to lead the way for Karen and Frank to be together, especially when they were literally like one, their lips were one inch away from each other in season two. And then Amy walked in and then we just got no more Punisher anymore. But it's okay. I live in my fan fiction. (laughs) Look, look, I didn't get enough of, I didn't get enough of Matt and Electra. So I'm still sitting here like, no, 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 they're going to get married. Like they're going to get married. They're going to live happily ever after. Karen's not going to mess up anything. Uh, Okay. No, we're going to move on. Um, <laughs> I, 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 I can't even. I, I can't even get into that with you, Tia. I'm gonna go right back to you, Dom. Uh, what are some of the things that grind your gears? Um. So for me, um, as the MCU became a thing, I never thought that I would pick Iron Man. Spider-Man, Thor, Hulk over the X-Men. So X-Men was always my favorite growing up. And, you know, when the first X-Men movie came out in, like, 2000, I I think I was at a family reunion, and me and my uncle went to go see it. And my uncle, he's the reason why I got into reading X-Men comics because he kind of passed his down to me when I was younger. And I have... Well, and now back in, in in hindsight between, you know, all the superhero movies I've seen, I've never been so disappointed in the X-Men in my life. <laughs> the movies <laughs> were so lackluster. Now, now, and first off, you know, as I'm in, I think in 2000, I was in like seventh grade or something like that. I was upset that I didn't see the colors. I didn't see the yellows. I didn't see the blues. I, didn't, I was like, what is what is this? This is Mission Impossible? I don't understand what's going on. And then Rogue doesn't have, you know, she's not strong and flying. And I get what they were, they were trying to set up. That, something they were trying to set up that never happened. You know, they were trying to do the early days, and she hadn't touched Miss Marvel to get her powers or whatever. But as it went on, you know, we didn't get, you know, the Jubilee that we liked from the animated series. We didn't get you know, a good gambit. We, you know, eventually, I mean, it all just basically was like, it should have been Wolverine presents the X-Men the whole time because I get it. Wolverine is a great character and he's one of my favorites too. But if you just wanted to set up Wolverine movies for the future, just just call it that because the X-Men is such a vast world where you have basically all these different factions. You have your, your group led by Mr. Sinister, and you have your group that's led by, you know, Havoc, and you have a group that's led by Magneto. You know, you have all these different factions, and they they could have done, and they just stuck with the one morsel, and it didn't really expand that far. And you didn't let, I mean, for one, you didn't let Apocalypse be Apocalypse. I don't understand what they did with, that was a catastrophe, because it's Apocalypse. I mean, you're going to, you don't let this guy run wild for the whole movie, and then they're like, hey, guys, let's come together, and we can destroy him. No, he's Apocalypse. You can't destroy Apocalypse. Um, so, yeah, I mean, and well, well, I don't want to talk about uh, Origins Wolverine because I, I don't even know what that was. That was hard. <laughs> it was just bad. I don't 
And I'm really, I mean, and I'm really glad that at least Ryan Reynolds was at least it looked like a little, a little pissed enough to like really fight to make Deadpool because Deadpool, I feel at least has kind of the aesthetic and kind of brightness and um, lightheartedness of enough to be in that world because the the X Men movies were always super dramatized and I get that it was it's a serious thing but the cartoon the comics weren't that like drab the entire time and that's how they always made it feel like it was kind of um like the Daria version of X-Men like everybody was just like oh they hate me I don't know what we're gonna do like do we fight these guys they don't like us either and I'm just like what do you like come on like I don't so yeah, that was, that's my biggest thing is the X-Men, they could have done so much more. Fox dropped the ball. Um, I really hope that the, the um, MCU, if they introduce them, they can, like, revamp the whole thing and fl- flip it on its head because I don't I don't think I – don't, I mean, I don't know anybody, if you ask them what their favorite superhero movie is, none of nobody's going to say one of the X-Men movies. I don't know anybody that will, unless you – Count Logan, but I felt like Logan was even though it's connected. I feel like that was more of a standalone thing because that's a fantastic movie, one of the best ones. But all the rest of them, Garbaggio. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't know. I can't even, I can't even like, like every other superhero movie that comes on TV. If I'm flipping channels, I'll stop and watch it. I don't stop and watch any of the X Men movies because I just can't. I just. Like Magneto's helmet was gross until they got to Days of Future Past, uh, and I love Ian McKellen. I love you know Patrick Stewart, but like they just happen to be part of a terrible trilogy. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know, man. It's, <laughs> it killed me to see X Men done in that way, and even the shows. Um, you know, the only ones I think I really followed was. Um, the gifted, and that one felt a little better, but I think that one I think got I don't know if it's coming back for another season or not. I think it had two maybe. I don't know if it got canceled, but it just seems like for one of the biggest comic book franchises, it seems like it's becoming like bottom of the barrel now. People are looking more. I, I would never think people want wanted to be, you know, Iron Man over. You know some of the X Men, but that's the world we live in now. <laughs> well, I, I will say this: uh, huge shouts out to Emma Dumont uh, who played Polaris um, on The Gifted that was canceled, um, but I think it was mainly canceled for the idea that Fox was losing its rights to the characters and Feige was yeah. going to continue the show. Um, but huge shouts out to Emma Dumont. Uh, we've interviewed her before. She is a friend of of Geek Vibes Nation. Huge shout out to her. I had to I had to throw that in there because I didn't know where you were going when you were starting to talk about the gifted. And no, I like the gifted. Like, <laughs> Cause like AJ came on. AJ did like a podcast where he was ripping one of the DC animated movies. And Ernie Allbacker <laughs> is like a really good friend of ours, and he wrote that uh, the, the Batman movie that AJ was trashing. So like, I now have to be aware when people are trashing stuff. I'm like, whoa, 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 do we know them? Hold on, do we know them? Like, before any trash comes out. But, um, no. Um, only thing I disagree with you on, Dom, is I think X2 
is like if you're going to tell me that Spider-Man Two is a classic, you're not going to tell me X Two wasn't a classic. Spider-Man <laughs> Two to me was very boring. Um, it had one great scene, and the rest of the movie bored me. Um, if not for that train scene, um, I don't really think I enjoy that movie uh, at all. Um, X Two to me was amazing. I loved every second of X2. Um, and I completely get that that might be a me thing. Um, but I loved it. I really did. I truly did. And I remember in the theater with my dad freaking out after the, the end credit scene of seeing the Phoenix in the water. And I was like, oh, oh my God, they're doing it. They're, they're really going to do it. And then I remember seeing X-Men 3 like, oh my God. Oh, maybe they shouldn't have did this. Um, but no, I loved <laughs> X2. Uh, <laughs> I really did love X2. Uh, that is the only movie I can defend. Uh, the first one I didn't think was that bad. It just, I think what was bad about that movie was that if you were a 90s kid and you had just seen how colorful that original X-Men cartoon was and then you watched this movie, you would think it was a spoof um, because everything is so dark. It's just like, like, Tia, you talk about BVS. That first X-Men movie was so dark. Like, almost all of its shots were at night. Yeah. <laughs> it was like, you guys probably shouldn't be wearing, like, a dark blue or all black. Um, it does not help me see you better. Um, so, I mean, that was that was crazy. But, I mean, um, I got to give huge shouts out to Rebecca Romaine for actually playing Mystique. Um, that is a, a dig at you, Jennifer Lawrence. Um, you maybe should have, like, seen Rebecca Romaine to understand what Mystique was supposed to be like. Um, but yeah, like, like, like I was saying, X2 to me is in my top 10. Um, but you're right. They had many issues with X-Men. One being you had too many hands in the kitchen. Um, also, it does not help when your director tells your cast, hey, you know, we're doing a movie based off of comic, uh, uh, comic book characters. But do me a favor, don't read any of those comics because I'm not doing right. any of that shit. Um, and whenever a director says that, you kind of as a fan go, yikes. <laughs> like, uh-oh, I don't think this is going to be good. And it was not. Um, we had three movies that kind of made you go, I don't really think Brian Singer understood the X-Men. Like, I really <laughs> I really don't. Um, I, he didn't I, understand I think boundaries he, either. He, <laughs> yes, good one, Thea. <laughs> good one. Um, <laughs> that was really good, Thea. Uh, no, but he, he did not. Uh, I mean, he went out and got us a Wolverine that was way too tall to ever be in the comic-accurate suit. He then refused to put him in a comic-accurate suit. We then seen Wolverine's character end not ever being in a comic-accurate suit. Um, even they, even they, they even teased it in the Wolverine, where um, the girl brought him the case and he opens it yeah. and it's the the Wolverine costume and he kind of like raises an eyebrow to it and I'm like, yo, we could get it, and then no, we did yeah. not get it. Uh, that is the biggest spit in the face I've seen in comic book history besides the Mandarin. Um, that was just crazy. <laughs> um, <laughs> But, um, yeah, that was it, – it's funny. It's funny when people go, no, the Mandarin was like the worst thing of Iron Man 3. And I go, oh, you guys haven't read a comic book. Because how they did AIM was even worse. Um, that was 
Like, the Mandarin, I can kind of, like, get away with because it's like, all right, clearly there's a real Mandarin that this is supposed to be playing off of, um, which evidently that's the case. We'll be getting Mandarin in um, uh, Shang-Chi. But um, you look at AIM and you're like, I remember AIM being in hazmat suits, like all yellow hazmat suits. And it was like, Mm -hmm. these guys aren't AIM. None of this is AIM. This isn't AIM. Anyone who has not read a comic, don't let this be what you think AIM is. Um, so that to me hurt me deeper than anything, and I hated how they used extremists. Um, but that's a whole nother thing we'll talk about another time. Um, but Tia, I'll go to you first. Um, do you agree with Dom? Um, did seeing the X Men kind of like really grind your gears because of how poorly it was done? Yeah, I mean, I I think in general I have to agree with Dom. X Men felt like. To me, I was born in 1990, so, you know, obviously you see the Batman movies and everything, but X-Men Evolution was a huge cartoon that I grew up watching, and I feel like the X-Men movies were kind of, you know, what we had at the time. They were the big thing um, before we had the MCU, and I think that, at least for me, originally having watched them, you held them to be such a sacred level but then going back and watching it and then seeing how it just kind of tittered into, like, nothingness is what really does grind my gears because you have really fantastic – first of all, you have really fantastic storylines. You have great characters. Um, I'm sorry. I went back and watched that first X-Men, and I thought it was horrific. Like, Sabretooth was terrible. Like, the Wolverine Origins was terrible, um, and th- this is Origins, not the Wolverine, because I actually forget that sometimes that movie exists. But um, <laughs> I actually, I actually like Lee Schreiber as Saber too. So it's like you had little things as Dom was touching upon. So you had little things in the movies that were good. Hugh Jackman, yes, not being the right height wasn't good, but he was a good Wolverine. Uh, Joanna, 100% agree with you. Rebecca Romaine was fantastic um, as Mystique. Uh, Ian McKellen was great. Patrick Stewart was great. And uh, I have two more points or whatever, but uh, you're going to hate me for this already, Juwan, because you and I seem to, like, never agree on movies. But I actually liked X3. Um, And one of my favorite lines ever in that movie will always be when Mystique, you know, starts turning, like, quote-unquote human, and she's begging, you know, uh, uh, oh God! Why am I blanking on names right now? Oh my God! Magneto to Magneto? help her. He, yeah, yeah, and he's like, "I'm sorry, darling. You're not one of us anymore." I'm like, "Oh, oh!" I'm like he did her like that. I'm like, he did her like that. I was like, that's supposed to be his main girl. I was like, what? Um, so it's like you had all these fantastic aspects, and then it just felt like they didn't necessarily know what they were doing, and. I'm always the type of person that I hate when they do, and this is just me, I don't like when they do necessarily the young versions, you know? I was never really sold on, like, the first class uh, group. Not to say that James McAvoy wasn't great and Michael Fassbender is one of my favorite actors, but it's like it was weird seeing a young Jean Grey. It was weird seeing a young Mystique because, as you said, Juwan, like, Jennifer Lawrence just never really played her the way that she should have. Uh, even Cyclops, like, 
James Marsden, even to this day, whatever he's in, I'm like, oh, look, it's Cyclops. Um, so, yeah, the, the X-Men universe definitely grinds my gears because it just feels like it was just okay. Like, looking back on it, besides Logan, which was phenomenal, and I love the Deadpool movies, but I count those as separate. When you think about the X-Men universe as a whole, it just feels like they were all just okay. A lot of them were cheesy. There was some uh, bad cliches in the movies. And so a lot of it, especially the early ones, when you go back and look at them, they just felt like cheap costume characters that really didn't go. And I didn't know that, uh, Juwan, that, you know, the director pretty much told him, like, don't read any of the comic books. So it makes sense. Yeah, clearly he didn't read any. But, yeah, you saying you enjoyed <laughs> X3 is definitely um, shocking. Um, I, I think it is the most horrible X3. I, I, will, I will say I haven't gone back and watched it in a long time, so maybe I'm wrong and maybe looking back I will feel differently about it. But I remember when I originally watched it, I liked it because there were aspects I liked about it, you know, like that scene there or – you know, there being a quote-unquote cure for mutinism, and you actually have mutants who are considering it because while you have these factions of mutants that are fighting for mutant rights, it's like, you know, not everyone has a great mutant power. And it's like, maybe there are those who don't want So I like that aspect of it. I felt like it was asking a lot of, like, valid questions. So I feel maybe that's why, like, X3 has rights for me. <laughs> Um, well, what eliminates X3 for me is two things right off the bat, um, and that's the fact that they killed Scott within, like, the first three minutes of the movie, um, oh, yeah. and two, the fact that Magneto lost his powers and then was able to still move the chess piece at the end, and that was never explained. Even when we but saw I thought him that again, was epic. it was never but I explained. Was, but I thought that was what was epic. It's like they left it off where it could have been something, but then they decided never to go anywhere with it. It's like, oh, my God, it's well, like he really has, like, like it's the same thing, like, okay, really quick, I'm sorry. But it's like, no, to me, I, I saw that scene, and it instantly reminds me right now of the end of Inception, where you're like, oh, is he in the real world, or is he in the dream world right now? And it's kind of like how I felt the same way, like, oh, what does that mean? But then they just never decided to go anywhere with it. Yeah, which is why. Like, picture if they did Inception 2 and brought the same cast back, and they never explained whether or not he was in the real world. What was the point of that? It'd be frustrating. What was the point yeah. of that? Well, n- no, I don't need Inception-level thinking in my X-Men movies. Tell me how he still has his powers <laughs> and how everyone else, everyone else lost them. Like, that, that's all I need. I'm not asking for much. That's all I need. Hey, this is you know he the 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 dart didn't go all the way in him or whatever. I, I'm even if the explanation is stupid, I'll take it because it's an explanation. But for you to leave it up in the air and then the next time I see him, he's using his powers like like he's never lost them. I'm what what, what was that? And don't even get me started on the fact that I saw Charles explode and then show up in a hospital bed at the end of the movie. What <laughs> and then that was never explained. Like. He was in that. He was in it at the end of the Wolverine. He was in in Days of Future Past. What the? So you can take powers and kill people, and then they don't even get explained. We're back. What is this? 
So, no. Um, I will say the best thing that X3 gave me was Wolverine's in the woods fight scene. Beautifully shot. Excuse me. That was beautifully shot. Um, Juggernaut was freaking awesome. I love Juggernaut. (laughs) He had the best. He possibly had one of the best one-liners I've seen since Blade. Um, (laughs) I love that. I will forever love that. They destroyed Angel. I don't know what the hell that was. Uh, You wasted a good actor, too. Um, I hated what they did with Phoenix. That was confusing. Again, they killed Scott, the actual leader of the X-Men, within the first five minutes of the movie. I hate it. Uh, <laughs> uh, I hated the back and forth about the cure and all. Like, I just, there was a lot that I hated about that movie, Tia. Um, but the Wolverine in the Woods fight scene, super dope. Um, and Juggernaut was, was freaking awesome. But besides that, I could not think of anything redeemable in possibly one of the more confusing superhero movies I've ever seen in my life in X3. <laughs> um, it's just, it's visually frustrating and then like mentally frustrating and then all other kinds of frustrating. Um, but KJ and, and Patrick, um, do you guys agree with Dom and Tia um, on some of the, the bigger issues? Uh, oh, before I pass it to you guys, I did want to say Tia, I was a huge fan of them making the X-Men younger. Um, mainly because when you think about building a universe, right, you want to kind of build it to where it's like if you wanted to make 10 movies with this cast, you pick them at the right age to where you could do it. Um, and, you know, it not really be an issue. it not really be a, you know, them talking about, oh, I want to kind of do other things. They're young. They're really excited to be in a this big and they're really excited to be getting the notoriety and the money. They're not really going to get Yeah, but I, I thought that was I perfect. don't need to I don't need to see my superheroes in diapers. Like, I, I don't know. I just want well, to see them was, as adults. Like, it just bothered me. Like, I don't know. And then Michael Fassbender and, and like, James McAvoy looks older than all the others. Like, I like Sophie Turner in Game of Thrones, which, like, she was young. Jennifer Lawrence looks too young. Who they got to play Cyclops looks too young. I don't know. It's just it, there was something, like, weird about it to me that like all of them look so baby faced. Um, I don't know. That's just me. I just you know, I was never into it. Um, uh, but then again I've only seen first class, so I never saw the other two after that. Yeah, or three. I, whatever cool. it is after uh, this. I can't even tell you how many times uh when you say things like that it, it makes me want to cry. <laughs> Um, please don't see those movies, Tia. Just see them just to say that you don't like them. I- I'm completely fine with that, but please take this time that we have and, and watch them, please. Because uh, Days of Future Past is one of the greatest X-Men movies I think, A, exists, and B, will ever exist. It was so well written. It made me somewhat like Mystique in that movie um, because she was a, get this, hold on, everyone, a villain. What? Mystique? No, dun, no dun, way. Dun. Yeah. Believe it or not, Mystique is a villain. You know, contrary to what that universe is, was making you believe, she's a villain, not a good guy. That movie did a really good job on kind of playing with that. Um, but it had some of the best acting I've seen. Um, and it was able to really build. And Hugh Jackson was freaking perfect in that movie. Um, but yeah. Definitely watch that. <laughs> Definitely watch the other ones. Just even to say you hated them, but you should watch them. Um, but I'm sorry, KJ and Patrick, I'll pass it back over to you. 
Uh, do you agree with, with um, Dom and, and Tia? Did you guys see any big issues with the X-Men universe? Um, you know, I'm going to be completely honest. My, I, I, was, I wasn't as well indoctrinated into the X-Men universe uh, as I should have been going into the X-Men movies. But I do agree with Dom on on a lot of on uh, on a lot of points. Sorry, the cats are fighting. Uh, <laughs> um, I think one of the biggest deals, like he said, there there were so many characters um, were not even recognized or underutilized. You know, like Gambit. What you know, like I I love the character Gambit, and it was just like you know, just like you know, just a quick one off. But you know. And but that's the hard thing is X Men is its own universe aside from the they're part of the MCU but they are you know the XCU as it were you know and the other thing you got to remember is you know it was a Fox movie so I mean like they got it right with Deadpool but you know you got to think there were there are a lot of there are a lot of you know like a lot of those Marvel Fox movies that they were just very off base you know like the non you know, until until the Iron Man, you know, until the MCU started with, you know, with the Iron Man franchise, you know, everything else was just its own kind of thing. And I think it was I I agree with you. I like X two. I thought it was cool. Um, I, I like you know progressing the storyline, but yet keeping you know trying to figure out Wolverine's past. Uh, and X-Men, you know, uh, First Class and Days of Futures Past, and hit Miss Rebecca Romaine, 100%. I agree with you. She was a fantastic mystique. She was just, like, I don't even know how to explain it. Like, would you say, like, suave and sadistically evil? Yes. And, yeah, and so I, I absolutely love that. And, you know, and, and like you said, not saying Jennifer Lawrence you know, did a bad job. I think she did well for the character that they wrote her to be. And I think, what's that? No, my issue wasn't like, don't get me wrong. I hated that she was made to be a a good guy. I could live with that, but what I can't live with and what I do put a lot of the blame on is if you took this role, you know exactly what this character looks like. The character is green. Uh, I'm sorry, not green. Is blue all the time. The only time Rebecca Romaine was not blue was when she lost the ability to be blue. That was the one time she was not blue. She should be blue all the time. Trust me, we get it. We know what Jennifer Lawrence looks like. You don't have to remind us. Like, I kept watching that movie when I was watching it on TV, and I'm like, is this the Hunger Games? Why is she not blue? What am I watching? Like, this can't be X-Men. And it was just so frustrating because it's like, that's, that's, that to me is as frustrating as watching Supergirl and seeing that they have Martian Manhunter, but he's never Martian Manhunter. Like, then why is he here? Why am I looking at this guy and seeing his human face and not him being green? Why? It's frustrating. So that's what I blame Jennifer Lawrence for because I can almost guarantee you she was like, she sat, she sat through that makeup for the first movie and was like, ah, I, I, don't, I don't like this. I, I'm not going to do this like for the entirety of three or four movies. So then they kind of worked with her where it was like, all right, well, we'll show your real face. And it was like, I hated it. And I blame that on her. <laughs> do you have any proof of that or you just decided that? Do I have any proof? Well, no, yes. this, is, this is the mindset I have about Hollywood, right? Like when you look at Iron Man, 
how often do you see the outside of the suit? Not a lot, right? Why? Because they're showing you inside of the helmet so you see Robert Downey Jr.'s face. I hate that. I know what Robert Downey Jr. looks like. Show me the suit in the outside of it. Um, and I kind of feel like that's your way of saying, like, hey, I have star power. I want to I show my face. Will Smith not having the mask on more in Suicide Squad. Obviously, why? Because he's Will Smith. wants to show his face. This is no different. Jennifer Lawrence was a star before becoming Mystique, and I don't find it hard to believe that either the studio or her or both wanted to show her face a lot. And what I don't get is it's still her face. It's just blue. Like, you're not putting a mask over it. You're not putting a bag over it. It's still her face. Just make it blue. So the only thing I can think of is she didn't want to sit through makeup as often as she should have. That's the only logical thing I can think of. Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense, man. But, you know, to, to the point of Downey, I was like, I'm just sitting here going, you know what, how brilliant is it, like, the cutting down the cost of production time and shooting time? You're just Robert Downey in a black background, just turning his head and doing headshots and dialogue. That's brilliant. Yeah, I mean, look, I can live with that because the rumor was, um, that if they had went with Tom Cruise, one of his things was he doesn't want to wear the helmet. And I'm like, well, hold on, wait. What, you want to be Iron Man and not wear the helmet? Like, how are you going to fly in the air and make sense? Like, you had to be flying in that high of altitude with no mask. Um, so I heard he didn't want to wear it as often as they would have liked him to. Um, and that was one of the things that they were kind of like, eh, let's see what John Favreau has with, with casting before we – we kind of say yes to this. Um, yeah. So, Robert Downey Jr., I could live with seeing you inside the, the helmet more so than you just not wearing it. So, you take the good with the bad. So, but, yes, but to completely answer the question, um, I think I think KJ and I both do agree with Dom on, on his, uh, on his uh, assessment of the X-Men universe. Well, yeah, and especially to the point, I, I feel like I was trying to think back further, but I – I feel like the, the, the X-Men was the first sort of step into the, the dark and, and drab superhero world. Like where it was like, I, you know, up until this point, I thought it was pretty cool to be a superhero, but you all are miserable. You yeah. know, this yeah. doesn't look fun at all. Michael Keaton, Batman, Batman was standing. Um, but yeah, yeah, even that, even the Michael Keaton Batman had, there was there was some lightness to it. There was some you Yeah, there, there were vibrant colors and yeah, yeah, like there there was there were flashy and flamboyant parts of even, you know, the nineteen eighty nine Batman. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, that makes it's, sense. Um where with, with X Men it was I said, Okay, well this is just a, and and it especially I'll say the the Wolverine movies and I love Hugh Jackman and I thought he was a great Wolverine but I felt like those movies just kind of dragged like they took a lot out of you just so much like okay here we go another Wolverine movie I need to rest up for this um it's just yeah I think it was really the first time that that superhero movies kind of went down that road of oh it's such torture and I that's what what caught me off guard was that I had spent my life thinking how much fun it would be to be a superhero. And yes, I understand that, you know, 
humans are flawed and so are superheroes and real life sucks sometimes. But I, I was looking for more of that adventurous side of, of the X-Men and it, and it was just, Let's say it was just more of like this, you know, poor me that I'm a mutant, which wasn't what I was expecting. Well, that's why I love First Class, because I think First Class gave me everything that you're saying the the uh, the original trilogy lacked. Um, yeah. You didn't really get much of the, oh, my God, I really hate the skin that I'm in, or, oh, my God, like, you need to find a cure so I can stop looking. Like, no, it was just people embracing uh, it was Charles helping them, emb- well, Charles and Magneto, helping them embrace exactly who they are. Um, and I loved it. I-, I completely loved it. I would say the only issue, and Dom, I'm curious, I'm curious to hear what you think about this. My only issue with the the new tri- or the newer universe, with the younger, um, the younger X-Men was, did anyone else notice how Quasar, I think is his name, the, the red the red uh the red devil that could uh teleport um did anyone else notice how we had him in the same movie as mystique and then two movies later we had nightcrawler and they never explained the fact that nightcrawler is the child of those two that, like dom did, did did that not bother you at all uh, no it, it definitely bothered me i mean um that was one of the like when i first saw um nightcrawler pop up in um what was it last? Was it last stand? Oh no, it was X two. It was X two. Um, that was yeah, one, it had the greatest yeah, opening was, scene since Blade. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that was one of the things I was curious if they were going to like dive into because one of the main storylines of the the comic and the um, animated series was you know um, her Mystique being with this Duke and. Um, her hiding who she was, and then she has a baby, and it's blue, and then she sends it off down this river, and then he gets, you know, found by these carnies and raised by them, and they didn't do anything with it. I was like, what, are you, what is going on? Yeah, and then you see uh, Azazel, and I'm like, this is a perfect time. Like, he's like, a, he's a devil, and she, like, this is clearly where this guy comes from. And, yeah, they, I was really upset that they didn't at least mention it. Yeah, like, I would have been fine, even if you just played off of it. Like, obviously, um, Nightcrawler in, in that series seemed to be, what, let's say 15, 16? And it seemed like her mystique was supposed to be, like, mid-20s. So it was kind of like, eh, they probably weren't going to do it. But I would have loved if, if he said, like, you know, like, do you know how much I freaked out when Quicksilver said my mom dated a guy that, um, what did he say? I'm paraphrasing <laughs> that, like, could control metal. I was like, oh, my God. Yes. <laughs> yes, that's your dad. Like, I loved it. And then, like, they never really embraced it. Like, the entire time Magneto's like, I don't have any family. And I'm like, he's right there. He's like, he's literally right there. Um, so I'm like, I'm looking at that, and I'm like, embrace it. And then I'm like, I would have been fine if, like, Nightcrawler just said, like, you know, uh, they said my mom, you know, could kind of do something like that. And then, like, she was like, well, I, I don't have any kids. Uh, like, just something like that to where I, like, I'm, I'm, you know, I can see that you're acknowledging it. But the fact that you had those two characters who clearly are his parents, like, one was blue, <laughs> that's why he's blue. One had a devil tail and could teleport. Nightcrawler has a devil tail and could teleport. I, I can't write this any better. Uh, like, it's right there for you to just, like, come, bring it home. 
Um, so that that really irked me. So I'm glad it bothered you too, Dom, because I'm like, this is like the easiest home run you could hit, and you're, you're sitting here and you're, you're not using it. Just like quick, you know, when Quicksilver figured out that Magneto was dead. I think, was it the last? I can't remember which X-Men movie it was, but Mystique was like, you should tell him. And he's like, nah, I'm not, I'm not going to tell him. I'm like, what? <laughs> what do you mean? He's hurting. He needs family. Why wouldn't you tell him that? Um, so, yeah, that, that, that bothered me tremendously. Uh, KJ Patrick, did you guys notice that, or did it not bother you guys as much? Uh, are you talking about uh, Dark Phoenix? No, 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 no. Uh, no, 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 no. I tried my best not to talk about that movie at all. I just mean the idea that Nightcrawler had both of his parents um, in this X-Men world, and they oh, never yeah. established yeah. that those are his parents. Yeah, no, I, I think, <laughs> well, again, that that's, you know, that's one of those, you know, is that a, is that one of those kind of rabbit hole things that you, do you, you know, want to go down? Or, I mean, I guess... I guess yeah, I, but I think like it didn't have to be like if you weren't gonna address it, it I mean you could have easily just left Nightcrawler out, you know, like bringing I in agree. Nightcrawler, right? Bringing in I Nightcrawler agree. gave you those feels of like, oh, here we go, right, I know who right. that is, <laughs> and then I was or, like, well, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. Or I'll do you, I do you one better, KJ. Uh, Hazazel, am I saying that right, Dom? Hazazel. Azazel. Yeah. I would have just left him out. Because um, if you don't have him in, we would have thought the same thing we saw with the original X-Men uh, trilogy when we saw Nightcrawler and Mystique, that you're just not going to acknowledge that in the comics and in the show, that's a kid. And I would have been fine with it. Because it would have made sense that in this series, establish that, mainly because their ages aren't that far from each other. Um, yeah. 10, maybe 15 years. So it's like, yeah, I mean, I get it. I get it. And in the original trilogy, they look like they're legit around the same age. So I'm like, if you had just left Hazazel out, I wouldn't have been as upset because it's like, all right, well, you did it in the original. I get it. You're doing it here. But you brought his dad in. And then you have dad and his mom in the same movie. And I'm like, all right, <laughs> come on. No. <laughs> like, come yeah, on. But, it, it, it's right there. Go ahead, Gio. But would, would it, it not have made sense for first class because – as they, like, Jason Fleming is, like, 50 years old, and, like, I don't know, Jennifer Lawrence is, like, 20 or something, like, in that <laughs> or whatever. It's, like, I don't know. That would have been, like, a little weird, you know, to have that well, no. speak get with that and Zazel. It would have been different if, like, Rebecca Remains' uh, Mystique had gotten with Jason Fleming's Azazel. But you didn't have to, like, show an on-screen romance or anything. You could have just alluded no, to the I fact know. that maybe they had, like, a drunken one night or, or, or whatever. Because, like, in, <laughs> in the cartoon, the comic I can't remember as vividly, but I remember, and Dom, you can help me out with this. In the cartoon, um, when she had the kid, she didn't know what to do. So, like, she kind of just, like, built, like, this little raft, put him in it, and just, like, let him sail down, like, this, this river that's someone terrible. Found them and raised them. It's horrible, <laughs> but terrible. it would make perfect. It would make child. It would make perfect sense for this, especially what you're saying with the age discrepancy. That she wasn't ready to be a parent, so she was kind of just like, eh, I don't know what to do. Like here, River, you take him. Um, and then it's like perfect. Like that's why he's you know looking for who his parents are. He's fine. I'm just saying to you, 
you don't put his parents in the same universe as him, and then you just don't allude to it whatsoever. That's just that's blatant. That's but blatant that's all, and see, unnecessary. But yeah, this is why it's so great that Dom brought this up because it's like, look how many plot holes continuing to pop up in every aspect of the X Men universe. It's like they really just didn't like. There's so many things that show that like they just didn't care to even try to you know create any sort of continuity or any sort of touchstone back to the comics. Yeah, as as much as they thought Days of Future Past helped their timeline, it it, it didn't. It made a lot more things confusing um, than it helped, really. I mean, so much of it was was confusing. Um, Like I said, the fact that Xavier was dead and then popped up and then it never explained, and then the fact that Magneto lost powers and it never explained, and then it's just like, no, we're in the future now and everything's cool. Uh, What? That, That made no sense. Um, but yeah, it was very, very, very frustrating. Um, I do want us to do this before we end this episode because I think it would be a lot of fun. Um, and obviously it was trending like the past few days. Um, I'm going to go around and I want to hear what you guys enjoyed more, not what you thought was worse, what you enjoyed more between Iron Man 3 and Thor 2, The Dark World. Yeah, I'm going to start with you. Uh, what did you enjoy more? I actually enjoyed Iron Man 3 more because recently I was doing a big Marvel binge and I haven't watched the third Iron Man so long because I remember in my head not liking it. Um, And obviously it's, you know, one of the movies that people shit on the most in the MCU. And I was like, let me go back and watch and like see what it was. And I actually found myself enjoying it, sitting down and saying, like, you know what, this isn't that bad. Of course, yes, there's, you know, and we can go into that forever. There are problems. I acknowledge that 100%. But uh, I liked it. I enjoyed it more than I thought. I remembered enjoying it, and I certainly enjoyed it better than Thor The Dark World because I'm telling you, anytime I try to watch Thor The Dark World, I literally just end up skipping to all the Loki scenes because I cannot bear to watch a second of that freaking movie. Well, I mean, uh, my problems with Iron Man 3 were, if you're a fan of the comics, it clearly did not read. Shane Black clearly said, no, 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 I I didn't read anything. Um, And he just decided to make a more grounded, more realistic Iron Man movie. Um, well, as a comic thing, book fan, go ahead. I'm sorry. I, I was just no, going to no. say is that I, I liked in Iron Man 3 the dynamic of Tony's PTSD, um, considering who Tony is and what he went through in the first adventures. Like, I did like that was a very real thing. Like, you know, he's just a human in, in, in a suit. You know, a very smart human, as he says, billionaire, uh, playboy, philanthropist. But that's a huge thing to experience as a human who probably didn't ever think that there was extraterrestrial life. It's like to then, you know, show him experiencing PTSD, looking back, I liked that, um, and I enjoyed that aspect. I kind of liked when you finally found out, 
like when you first are watching it and you find out that that guy is the Mandarin, or or you at least think it is, you're like, this is stupid. He's kind of like really like, what is going on? But then when you find out there's like a bait and switch, you're like, oh, it's kind of cool. We're gonna find it out like later on, especially if you watch the short. Uh, like movie that came out after Thor two called All Hail the King. It's like it's just now has taken a million years to finally get the real Mandarin. But aspects I like about Iron Man three, like I enjoyed just there's certain aspects of it, uh, with Happy being involved a little bit more, but and I can see the problems with it. You know, I personally didn't like him destroying all of his suits. But that's, you know, a topic for another day. But I'm just saying, like, from an entertainment standpoint, I could sit down and watch Iron Man 3. I cannot sit down and watch Thor The Dark World. It is too unbearable. Yeah, no, this this movie was... I, I The one good thing I give Shane Black uh, of, of this movie was the fact that I never thought I would see the Iron Patriot. Um, I, I don't know if people know this or not, but the Iron Patriot in the comics is Norman Osborn, not Rhodey. Um, so that was a little frustrating, mainly because now I don't think we'll... I mean, unless you go the route of, like, the government gave it to Norman Osborn. I don't know. That That's a whole other rabbit hole. Um, but I remember leaving Iron Man 3 going... I didn't like Iron Man 2, but John Favreau 100% should have done Iron Man 3. Um, this this should not have been something that we outsourced to Shane Black of all people. Shane Black of all people should not have been doing an Iron Man movie. Um, and I don't understand why um, John Favreau didn't do the third one. It wasn't like he wasn't in the third one. No, I think it was a conflict. I I, I think um, him and Feige weren't really agreeing on the direction. Um, I believe that's what the rumor was. I think if you ask him now, he would just say he wanted to do something else, and it was conflicting. Because um, I do think The Chef, uh, his movie came out around Iron Man 3. Um, mm. So I guess I guess might be right. he, didn't want to, he didn't want to really do, like, directing, acting, and then go over and do directing and acting. Um, I think that's the, that's the lie he would give you. Um, I have a few uh, comic book movie conspiracy theories. Like, my biggest one uh, is Tom Hardy turning down Suicide Squad. That was not a conflict of, uh, of, of, of scheduling. That 100% was. He didn't like that that movie was definitely catering to Will Smith and Margot Robbie. Like, it, di- it didn't have enough time to cater to all three of them. Um, I as just much don't as see Tom Hardy permitted. having that. I don't see him having that big of an ego. Like, I don't know, maybe I'm just being a Tom Hardy apologist. I feel like he would take a smaller role, but, you know, and make his small role. I think you're underselling it only because, if I remember correctly, again, let me state, I could be 100% wrong. I do believe he was casted first as Rick Flagg. And then I think the other casting started to come down. So I think the original concept was for him to have a large role um, and again, I was hearing rumors that he originally was supposed to be Deadshot. Um, but then I heard that his character, Rick Flagg, who, again, was like, why would you have Tom Hardy be Rick Flagg? Make him Deadshot. But um, when they made him Rick Flagg, it was for him to have a larger role. But then when you cast Will Smith, it's really hard to then say, you're going to be having as much screen time as Will Smith. 
I agree with you. Maybe Tom Hardy isn't that egocentric, but I don't know. I, I don't know, Tia. There, there's more to that to that uh, than, than meets the eye. But we're going to have a conspiracy theorist episode, and you guys are going to hear how crazy <laughs> my brain goes. Um, but, um, no, I, I'm actually going Thor Dark World. Um, there's more to that movie that I think I could really grab onto than I could Iron Man 3. Um, mainly because once I saw Thor 1, I understood that Kenneth Branagh um, had no idea who Thor was. Clearly, he only read who Loki was. Um, and Odin, like, he had no idea who Thor was. He did a horrible job with Thor. I thought Thor Dark World was leaning more towards a comical Thor. Um, I, I love some of the action pieces. I love the beginning where he just drops in from the Bifrost. Um, breaks the rock guy in half. That looks really suspiciously like Cork, um, but he breaks yeah. the rock guy in half. I love that. I love the scenes with him and uh, him and Loki. Um, I yeah, did again, like the idea. The Loki the, scenes. That, <laughs> no, no, no. I like the scenes that that Thor shared with Loki. Not just Loki moments per se, but I love the moments that they had together. Um, like I love the whole um, faking him losing his hand or his arm or whatever, um, and just do, pulling the whole bait and switch, only for him to think Loki really died. Like a lot of that was really interesting. Frida dying uh, will always make me cry, and then will always make me cry harder. Is this scene in Endgame? Um, I, like I will forever cry seeing that. It's just so emotional. He loved his mother so much. You also saw the hurt in Loki when he found out that she had died. Um, that was the only person that ever believed in him. Um, so, I mean, just a lot of that played off with a lot of emotion. Um, I, I just think where that movie kind of derails itself is the entire end. Um, like, the sec- a little after the second half starts, and then that entire ending is just like, and no, no, I don't really like that. I, I don't really like that. But um, I loved it, and you loved the the small little Chris Evans cameo that you got in, in Dark World. Um, there was just a lot more things emotionally that I loved about Thor: The Dark World than I did um, Iron Man Three, uh, and that says a lot because you guys know how much I despise Thor One and Two so much so when I do Marvel marathons, I skip Thor One and Two. And I go right Ooh. to Ragnarok. Um, I, I just it's it's the first one is so god awful um (laughs) being that movie let me say this that movie is so bad i think tom hiddleston should have been nominated for an oscar that's how bad that movie is he deserves some (laughs) kind of glory for having to carry the boatload of that entire movie um thor one was better than thor two yeah i don't know if i could ever do that i don't know if i could ever do that thor was horrible Thor was horrible. The premise was horrible. I hated how uh, how um, they blended his hair with his beard. That should never be the same color. <laughs> Looks weird. Um, yeah, that was really bad. I, he had no I hated the de- <laughs> It was horrible. I hated the destroyer. Um, I hated how much you, you kind of. Um, I will say this though: the one great scene Thor one had that was better than anything I think in uh, Thor two was Hawkeye. When I saw that, I almost lost my shit in the theater. I'm like, is that, is that Clint Barton? Did they just right. say Clint? I, I almost lost my shit seeing that. Um, uh, I also love the little nugget of of um, Thor's human name that he developed. 
um, when they uh, he had the fake ID. I thought that was freaking brilliant. I, I love that Kenneth had that in there. But, no, I, I could never watch Thor 1 over Thor 2. Um, but I'm going to pass it, KJ, uh, to, to you and Patrick. Which movie did you enjoy more, Thor The Dark World um, or Iron Man 3? Uh, you know, here's the thing. I I would say I enjoyed them both, but I judge my movies on how often I go back to them. And I go back to Iron Man 3 way more than Thor 2. I, think, I feel like Thor, you know, The Dark World was exactly what Thor shouldn't be, which is dark and and serious there's you can't take the Thor character seriously and I didn't feel like they used enough of uh, Chris Hemsworth's comedic talent really until they got to Thor Ragnarok but but it just it didn't lend itself to that with with the dark world um, and Iron Man 3 I you know I, I'm the same way with with Tia um, you know I think that Iron Man 3 gave Tony Stark's character a lot of a lot of depth that it needed. He 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 was human and he didn't have all of his his toys and his gadgets to to get him out and he was you know dealing with a a, a panic attack like Tony Stark having a panic attack you know I mean I I, I just thought um, that there was that that was really good character development for Tony. Um, and I, I enjoyed the fact that they explored that aspect and, you know, with, with PTSD, of course you're going to have that. Um, and they handled it in a way that wasn't too sensationalized. Like it was real, like, yeah, probably you're going to have some panic attacks after what you went through in New York. Um, so yeah, I definitely, I, I would say, uh, Iron Man three, I thought was fun. I know when I watched it the first time, you know, it's like the last, it was the first time we got a last movie. And, you know, like, this is the last Iron Man movie. We knew we were getting more Iron Man, but this is the last Iron Man movie. So, but, you know, like, emotionally sitting in the theater, knowing this is it, uh, we went out and adopted a cat and named him Rhodey. So, I'm like, <laughs> I, I really, really loved uh, how they wrapped it up. I, we could talk about the Mandarin. I don't, I don't love the way they did that, but at the end of the day, did I leave the movie uh, feeling like I had a good time, feeling like I was on Iron Man's side, um, and feeling like it wrapped up his three movie uh, arc very well? Yeah, I, I really do think it did. Fair enough. I might have to just go watch Iron Man 3 again. I, I, I'll try to do it when I'm tired so that I can make the excuse. Oh, I fell asleep, but um, no. <laughs> I think, Jawan, once you, once you have dealt with the fact that the Mandarin isn't what we expect the Mandarin to be, and, it, and AIM isn't what we expected it to be, if you just go in and wipe the slate clean and just watch it as an Iron Man movie from the perspective of what Tony Stark is going through, that you you will find a way to enjoy it. I'll try, because everyone said that about Iron Man 2, and all I get from that movie is the birds. My birds. That movie was no, so bad. I- <laughs> No, Iron Man 2 was great. Justin Hammer was hilarious. Justin Hammer was the Loki of that movie. Like, without him, that movie is complete hot garbage. 
Who's uh, Sam Rockwell was Sam Rockwell was great in that. It introduced Don Cheadle as Rhodey. It's like, Jawan, how hard is it to actually make you happy? And think of it this want, way. How, okay. how better passing of a torch was it? And you want to talk about, like, changing characters, franchise? There was no better passing of a torch that I can ever think of was in the court scene when Don Cheetah walks in as James oh, Rose. So and he <laughs> walks in, it's me, I'm here, get over it. And that was, I was yes. like, that is genius. That was awesome. Okay, so <laughs> let me tell you my lingering issue. Watch Iron Man two again, like that is. Let so me tell you my lingering, <laughs> my lingering issue. Widow. <laughs> I had two lingering issues with with Iron Man two. One being the fact that we finally get an accurate War Machine Iron Man side by side, and that fight lasted four seconds. That was disgusting. And two, Black Widow. <laughs> created single-handedly the grossest move. I it, it started a trend with female characters doing that leg wrap-around thing. I and love I that. Where I, I hate nothing shit. more. Oh, I hate oh. nothing when, more. I hate it with a passion. Widow, I hated it in that movie, and I hated it in everyone that used the, it. All right. She came I'm gonna, into I'm gonna, the freaking Iron Man 2 and swung her legs around that dude's neck for the first time. I lost my shit in that theater. Yeah, that shit was the best. Exactly. That is an old school wrestling move called the Hurricanrata, dude. Deal with it. Yeah, it I'd, I'd rather see it from Rey Mysterio than Black Widow. Like, it started a trend and every female character used it. And it just, it was, it was horrible. It's horrible. It's like, you see it coming. That's what bothers me the most. You see it coming, and it's like you just, I don't know, I can do. Yes, move. You see, like, she has to get a head start to do it. Like, like, there's a whole process that you can completely avoid that. I'm sorry. I, that's a rabbit hole for me. Um, <laughs> I, I really didn't like, I really didn't like that, and I really didn't like that we finally get War Machine Iron Man back to back, ready to do some damage, and they spent more time fighting drones than the main villain. That to me is disgusting. It it it, it really is. It's it's disgusting. Um, but Dom, really quickly, man, we got we got uh, five minutes left. What movie did you enjoy more, uh, Thor: The Dark World or Iron Man Three? So for for me, I think it it's one of those um, for the entirety of a, the the movie itself. I, I enjoyed Iron Man Three more for comic book accuracy it'd be Thor the Dark World because of, like, a lot of the... There was a lot of comic-accurate things and, like, a lot of um, mentions of things to come, like when he, uh, Loki, uh, you know, what do you, who do you, did he tell Curse? Or do you, I think he told Curse when he told him, I see you in hell, but he was talking about, you know, the hell where Hela is, and then, you know, eventually we get Hela in, you know, uh, Ragnarok, and um, the mention of like the um the different worlds and you can possibly see um what was the what was the giant ass lava dude in uh Ragnarok? Yeah, that he could yeah, see possibly yeah. his world pop up. I mean there was a lot of very uh there was a lot of cool things but um yeah the overall Thor it, it, like like everybody else said, it didn't get really good till 
Ragnarok. Now, this one, I th- I do think this one uh, is more enjoyable than the first one um, because, like, like uh, you said, it's very hard to look at Chris Hemsworth in the first one because he looks like someone spilled paint on his face. I don't know. It's just it was too monotone. <laughs> it looked weird. Um, but... Uh, but yeah, overall though, I I, I enjoy uh, I, the same Tia and KJ and Patrick saying I do enjoy the and Iron Man three the um, the PTSD and the you know it's cool to see what was supposed you know supposed to be like the the Iron Legion at you know at the end with all the different suits. Um, I mean, I guess it, and you kind of wonder why they couldn't have been done earlier, but you know it's a, it's a movie, um, and then you get like the um, you know the kid that we're eventually going to see later. That might, you know, it does, you know, if is he going to turn into Iron Lad at some point? We don't know. Maybe. Um, but I think there was a lot of things to enjoy. I didn't like that um, they did Mandarin that way. I don't think anybody really did. Like I kind of got what they were trying to do, um, but if if that guy and his ten rings are supposed to be like. Iron Man's greatest foe, and then it ends up just being um, Osama bin Kingsley, you know. Um, <laughs> <laughs> That's so <good>. it, <laughs> They kind of dropped the ball right there. Uh, but, yeah, that, that's my, my pick is Iron Man 3. Yeah, no, uh, that was disgusting. There, there's nothing redeemable about how horribly they did that. And what's crazy about what they did with the Mandarin was I would have been fine with you kind of throwing a curveball if in that movie, don't tell me that I have to look at shorts somewhere else. That's like when Zach put out the extended cut. Give me it in the movie or I don't really care. I would have preferred it if they had acknowledged that there was someone behind that pulling the strings uh, that turns out to have actually been the Mandarin. Like if Shang-Chi plays on the idea of he, he sees that they were mocking him, and maybe that's what brings him out of hiding. Because I don't know if you guys have been paying attention, but the hand um, has been around. Like, it was in Ant-Man looking to buy the, um, the Yellow Jacket uh, experiment. It was, in, um, it was in a few other Marvel movies to where you kind of see uh, the Mandarin and his, his henchmen are behind the scenes, maybe trying to be the next big power. Um, so I'm like, if you had played on that in the movie, I could, I could live with that. But you didn't. You kind of just went, hey. He pulled a Ryan Johnson. He was like, hey, I know what you guys are thinking, but no, nah, I'm not doing that. I'm not doing that. And it was stupid. You giving Pepper's, uh, Pepper powers, stupid. You giving, like, all that was god-awful. Um, but anyway, <laughs> before, we, uh, before we wrap up the show, uh, we definitely had to do a longer episode of this. I'm actually, I just put on Iron Man 1. I'm going to watch 1, 2, and 3. Um, I'm going to have a bucket case I throw up watching three, but um, I'm going to do it for you guys. I'm going to watch Iron Man 3 tonight. Um, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. But, um, no, I want to thank KJ, Patrick, Dom, T. I want to thank you guys so much for joining me. Make sure you guys stay tuned uh, for everything Kind of Nerdy Girls is doing. Stay tuned for Tia has um, top ten. Uh, she just had an episode Sunday night. Uh, KJ, you guys put out a new episode of Kind of Nerdy Girls, right? 
Uh, we did, yeah. We're gonna. We usually do uh, one a week. Uh, we release on Monday, but we're actually going to be doing uh, two a week and possibly even three uh, while we're in quarantine because we got nothing else to do. So, <laughs> absolutely. Um, so, everyone listening, there's no excuse. KK <laughs> and Connie Nerdy Girls will have plenty of content for you guys to be listening to. Um, so make sure you stay tuned for that. We will be, of course, uh, posting anything that, that uh, KJ posts. Um, so stay tuned for that. Stay tuned for what Tia's got. Um, thank you all for joining me. I cannot wait to do this again. Uh, this was so much fun. Uh, I love this panel. I listened to the Freddy vs. Jason episode, and I could not stop <laughs> laughing. Uh, this panel needs to this panel needs to happen more often. This, this is a good panel. But um, thank you guys for joining me. And we will see you guys same time, same place next week. Peace. See ya. Peace. Later. Bye, guys. Hey, guys. It's Janet Varney from Stand Against Evil, and you are listening to Meet Five.